thank you so much for joining me and uh, especially knowing that today was a day full of interviews already and it's 7.30 where you are. Where are you? I am in Jupiter, Florida. Wow. What's it like? What's the weather like there? <clears throat> well, I would say it's sunny and warm, uh, except for it's no longer sunny because it's, <laughs> it's now whatever it is, 7.30, uh, but it's still warm. Awesome. It's been pouring rain here for, for days. It's been uh, a little Sorry, actually really. one of those happy lights on, so kind of weird lighting, but it's fine. Um, so I, uh, the podcast or the vodcast, if they're watching live or listening on the podcast, the whole point of this podcast is to help business owners um, make business better. Like that's our tagline, business can be better because I just know there's so many business owners out there who are struggling and stressed and they're not making enough money. They're not feeling fulfilled and joyful from their business. And so I always just say business can be better. And so that's what the podcast is. I that's why that. I invited you here because I know that you can help them make business better. So, um, you, to me, uh, I, I was just saying before we went live, I was a little bit starstruck when you said yes to come on the podcast because um, you're such a successful author and speaker. And I read your book uh, early in my management career. And when I reread it uh, after you said yes, I realized that most of my success is seriously based on these five laws. So this is, this is absolutely an honor for me. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I could read your impressive bio, but I would rather, if you don't mind, have you tell everybody a little bit about you. Like, what do you like people to know about you? Uh, I just, I really began uh, my business career as a, a broadcaster, first in radio and then television. Wasn't very good at it, so I graduated into sales and knew nothing about sales on a formal level. And the company where I was working uh, really didn't have any training, per se. And when I say per se, I mean at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I pretty much stumbled for the first uh, few months. And then fortunately, I found myself uh, in a bookstore and there was a sales section, which doesn't seem like any big deal now, but this is about 40 years ago when that, that wasn't an everyday type of thing. And uh, there were two books in there. One was by Zig Ziglar and the other was by Tom Hopkins, two legends. And I got their books. And by the way, just knowing they were books on sales was very encouraging to me because I had no idea that there was even such a thing as sales teaching, right? A, a methodology uh, for such. I mean, I just thought it was knock on doors, call on the phone, try to get in front of people, blah, 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 product, product, blah, 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 right? That's all I knew. I, and I mean, obviously I wasn't very good at it. And uh, so it really gave me hope and encouragement. And I just opened those books and went to work. And for three weeks, um, all I did, well, after, after my, the day job part, I um, would study and read and highlight and underline and dog ear and post-it note and everything that uh, you could do. And uh, within a few weeks, really, my sales just began to go through the roof. And it was really an amazing thing for me to see because obviously there was no difference in me three weeks earlier than, than there was three weeks later, other than I now had the information that I needed. I remember Jim Rohn, uh, the great speaker and author and business philosopher once saying that, uh, you know, you can have the, the motivation, but you've also got to have the information. Of course, you can have the information and you've also got to have the motivation. So the two of them go together. But I had the motivation, but I had not had the information. Well, now I did. And it was encouraging to me because I, I kind of saw that if you have a system, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Uh, to this day, I personally, I define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. Uh, the key being predictability, right? Yeah, if it's been proven. Absolutely. Right. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Exactly. Do A and you'll get B. Just keep love doing it. A, you'll get B. <laughs> so that, that's really what kind of started the whole sales career thing. And then from there, after uh, a while and, and being sales manager at a different company, I started teaching others what was working for me. And as they used to say in the old Seinfeld show, yada, yada, yada. And here <laughs> we are tonight talking. I love Seinfeld. I love, my husband and I have watched every episode of that show. Oh, I'm yeah, sure I have awesome. many times over. <laughs> it never gets old. What, what was that sales job you were talking about? Your first sales job, what were you selling? I was, I was actually selling advertising, uh, radio and television advertising. 
that's the only sales job I've ever had too. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's where I met one of my first and favorite mentors that I still visit. He actually emceed my wedding. Yeah. I sold uh, television advertising at Global TV. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. Yeah. But I had it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was very, I, I loved it. You know, I mean, I went on to a, a couple other sales jobs after that, but I always, I always valued that one as, as, uh, you know, I mean, I guess because, I guess probably because I saw the difference in, in the business, not knowing what I was doing and then kind of knowing what I was doing and the vast difference that made. Yeah. So do you believe that you have to believe in what you're selling? Oh, I think it certainly helps. I mean, you know, it, it's it's very difficult to. You know, here's the thing: I think that most human beings, we're programmed to want to make a difference. We're programmed to want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We're programmed to want to make a positive difference in our world. It's really difficult to do that if you're selling a product you don't believe in. Yeah, so, if it's not really going to help someone. Yeah, yeah. Not that there aren't people that can't do it, and you know, uh, but but for me, it would be very very difficult to sell something I didn't absolutely believe in. Yeah, I I only have three rules for sales, and uh, the first is be authentic. So that would be a problem for me. I couldn't sell it if I didn't authentically believe in it. You know, second is have their best interests in in mind, and so if it wasn't the best thing for them, and then no attachments. So yeah, no, I can never. I always thought that too. I thought that was the key. My first sales key I ever learned was I have to really lo like believe in what I'm selling, and I really at that time TV advertising did work. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people may not know, and actually I was reading about you and I, I actually have three of your Go-Giver books right there. One of my team took home the, the Go-Giver sells more, I believe the green one. Um, but you wrote other books besides this series? Yeah, the uh, Go-Giver series, which was co-authored with John David Mann, and John's a fantastic author. He's really the lead writer in the story and the uh, storyteller. Um, and so there are four books in that series. Three of them are parables. So there's the Go-Giver, which is a parable. Then there's the follow-up, Go-Giver, Sell More, which is, that's a, a more of a guide to, uh, to the, the Go-Giver uh, applying the principles. The next parable was the Go-Giver Leader, and then the last one is uh, the Go-Giver Influencer. And then I've got a couple of others on my own, Endless Referrals, which was my first kind of big book, and that was written many years ago. And then uh, another book uh, written about, I think about four or five years ago, called Adversaries Into Allies, which is basically a book on people skills and influence and positive persuasion. I, I think that must be on my shelf somewhere. You know, you get so many books and you're like, I, I think I've read that one. I know, I know the feeling. Absolutely. I had to reread yours. I was so scared that I would sound like an idiot on here. So <laughs> you could never sound like that. No, I'm so glad that I did though, because I, uh, you know, you teach something so often. Like I, I work with a lot of different employees in my own businesses, but other people's businesses too. And I say a lot of the same things over and over. And sometimes I think to myself, I couldn't have made that up. You know, I, I know that's not my, my idea, but I'm not sure where I got it from. But yeah, a lot of the stuff came from these five laws. So I'd love Thank to you. talk about, are the five laws the same in all the books? Because I can't remember all the books. Um, no, they're, um, they're, there's five, they're, they're different in each one, but okay. they're really still all based on the same premise. Okay. And that is that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from, from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a, a pleasant way of conducting business, but it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some, you know, way out there, woo-woo type of reasons. It actually makes very logical sense. When you're that person who can move off of yourself, you know, move from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focused, other focus, <laughs> um, it, you know, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be a part of your life, a part of your business. They want to introduce you to others and so forth. And so um, it's really, it really makes logical sense to focus on 
them, even though it sounds counterintuitive to a lot of salespeople, you know, that, that they don't see exactly at first why that is so um, important, why that's actually so beneficial to them to take their focus off of themselves and focus on the other person. It's funny when, I, I guess it's been almost 20 years now that I've been in leadership roles in business and uh, I can't even fathom thinking the other way. Like this principle has been drilled into me in so many, like how could you possibly sell something if you weren't asking questions about the person, trying to help the person? Sure. Um, well, I think I that's you naturally though anyway. I think that's your that's your general character that that you would have that that desire to help another human being. And so that's why uh, I'm sure when you read a lot of this, it more it was more that you related to it as opposed to learning anything necessarily new. I think it gives you a sense of relief because you're like, oh, I don't have to be like a pushy, whatever right. stereotype. Um, oh, I can't tell you how many people have said that same thing to me, that, that it was a relief to them that they could, they could conduct business the way they wanted to in a way that was congruent with their values and be very financially successful. And feels good for both people. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. Actually, you know what? When you said that's uh, in my nature, I, I was about to deflect the compliment, but then I remembered the reason I asked you to come on the podcast was because I had a, a lovely lady in my office a few weeks ago that maybe a month ago now, maybe even two, I moved, time is warping for me. Um, but she, she said to me, have you ever read The Go-Giver? And I was like, yeah, I read all of them. Look, they're right there on my shelf. And she said, you remind me of that book. And I was like, oh. so that was the best compliment I've ever gotten. So thanks. Well, thank you. Yeah. And so that's, I'm like, I'll just ask Bob, maybe he'll come. So I, I'm, again, thank you so much for coming. My um, absolute pleasure. Maybe, thank you. So maybe, maybe we should talk about the five laws. Okay. Well, the laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The first law, the law of value is really the, the foundational principle. And it, it simply says that your true worth in the business sense, of course, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear this, it, it's sort of counterintuitive because, well, give more in value than I take in payment. Uh, uh, how would that even work? It sounds, you know, like I'm losing money on every transaction, right? It, it's a recipe for bankruptcy. Give more in value than I take in payment. So we just have to understand the difference between price and value. Yeah. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. Uh, there are numerous examples, of course. One very generic one that, I, that I, I often use is if you were to hire an accountant to do your taxes and she charged you $1,000 and, and that's her fee or literally her price, $1,000. But what value is she giving you in exchange for this? Well through her years of hard work and study and knowledge and getting to know you and caring about you and, and what you're looking to accomplish, learning about the, your business, she's able to save you $5,000 in uh, taxes. She also saves you countless hours of time. Uh, and she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she has really given you well over $5,000 in, in value uh, in exchange for a thousand dollar price. So she gave you more in value than she took in payment. So obviously you feel wonderful about it, but she also made a very, very healthy profit because it was worth it to her to exchange her time, knowledge and so forth for that thousand um, dollars. But that happened not because her focus was on the fee, her focus was on providing you with immense value. Uh, and, and that's why we say that money is simply an echo of value, right? Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means really nothing more than that the value must be the focus, the value you're providing another person. Uh, the value comes first. The money you receive is simply a very natural result 
of the value you've provided. So that's really uh, the law of value. That's the, that's the first one. I have a question about that because I see a lot of people and even myself being a, a consultant, um, like the coaches that I have still charge sometimes almost twice as much as I charge. And they're always telling me to raise my fees, raise my fees. And when it's like a one-on-one -on -one situation, like a consultant, it's, a, it's, it's extra hard because it's me selling myself, I feel like. Um, but I tend to, myself and others that I work with, they tend to be, um, they don't see the value. Do you know what I mean? It's hard for them to, so for me, I've got it on paper, like written out the, everything that they get, what it's worth. And then I remind myself like clients who have made like $2 million more when they've paid 30,000, you know, like there's actual dollars attached, but how do you, is there some advice that you can give to people who might be listening that are thinking, you know, what is the value or how do I, how do I elaborate on that? Or how do I get clear on that? Well, I think it's a matter of deciding what your value is, because as you said, you know, if, if they're, if they're making so much more as a result than what they're paying you, you're giving them a lot more in value than you take, than you're taking in payment and you should be compensated for that. Um, obviously it, you know, if they're making $3 million, you can't charge $3 million. That wouldn't be worth it to them. But if they're making $3 million, I would think you're making at least a hundred to 150,000. So, um, so I think it's first deciding really what you're worth it, what you're worth and understanding why you're worth that and really buying in to that being what you're worth. So you first have to sell yourself on the idea that you're worth that or you never will, uh, charge more, you know, or when you say what the, what the fee is, you'll hesitate a little bit, and, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's first selling you on understanding that. Then when you, when you're selling that to others, it's a matter of asking the right questions during your interview with them so that their answers actually ex explain to them <laughs> their and their own answers explain to them why you are so much worth it and that the fee isn't an issue that you're, worth what you know what you're asking yeah absolutely awesome um yeah it's funny i it's not that i forget but um it, it's nice to be reminded of uh the fact that business is you like you are your business like you yeah. cannot have like i have had some clients come to me say i just want business coaching i don't want any of that woo woo airy fairy life coaching and i'm like uh <laughs> that's going to be a part of it. You know, like yeah. you have to work on yourself if you want your business to be good. So I think that that really fits for me with that mm -hmm. law of value. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. So the law of compensation. Yeah. Well, this one says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in uh, value than you take in payment. Law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So your accountant, for example, in the, the first example, did a great job of giving you more in value than what you took in payment. So if you're her client, you probably feel great about her. You would do business with her again, and you'd probably refer her to many others. Well, her other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to uh, provide so much exceptional value to the lives of so many people, her business will continue and her income will continue to grow and grow. In, in that um, uh, part of the, the story, Nicole Martin was the CEO who, who Joe went to visit. And she explained to Joe that the law of value, while that's very, very important, of course, uh, it represents only your potential income because it's not enough to just provide exceptional value to one person. Law number two, the money you receive or the money you make, the amount of money you earn is all about how many lives you impact with that value. So it's really in this case about impact. And that's why referral-based business is such a great way to go to be able to impact uh, more people uh, because with referred prospects, it's easier to set the appointment, obviously, right? Price becomes less of an issue. Fee becomes less of an issue actually uh, because they're already pre-sold on you. With referred prospects, it's easier to complete the transaction. And um, 
uh, and typically referred prospects are, they're already of the mindset that that's how you do business since that's how they met you. So yeah. it's really, uh, you know, a great way to bring more impact to the lives of more and more people through, uh, through proactively seeking and attaining referrals. Uh, two things on that. Uh, one, uh, we, we just had a staff meeting a couple of days ago in one of the businesses that I own and uh, with, with my partner. And uh, he told me a story about a lady who came in. It was a referral. And we have a lot of those. Um, and he started to talk about uh, one of the products. And she said, oh, don't worry. I already know it's, it's expensive. So that was like her. She came in saying, it's okay. I know it's expensive. And we were just like, this is so perfect. You know, yeah. she understands high quality great service and high price. So yeah, referrals are the best. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you though, like in the last, so I've been in business, running business, studying business, owning business. It's going to be 20 years soon here. It makes me, I can't believe it. Um, but it, even in my time, I've seen referrals change so much because of the internet. Like what are your thoughts on from when you first realized the power of referrals and how they worked to how referrals work now? Do you, still think that it's like person calling person or is it more like online reviews or well all those those things help remember the you know the online reviews always help just like we used to have written testimonial you know letters and so forth from people and now they can be uh you know now they can be video testimonials or audio testimonials and they can you know and and so forth and you can always when you're asking someone and and, and, you know, while referrals, of course, I mean, not what refers, while testimonial endorsements are great for even helping to sell the product or service, they're also great, very useful when asking for referrals. Because if you have someone who's a little bit shy about providing referrals, just maybe they've been burned in the past by referring someone who made them look bad or something or, you know, what have you, you know, for you to be able to very gently and very tactfully, you know, just say, uh, you know, if I may, I'd love to share with you this video, you know, that you have on your phone, this, this video of a person who like you, she just, you know, she loved the product itself, but you know, it had kind of been burned by giving a referral and wasn't really, and she did end up referring me to some people. And this is what she said, boom. And now you let her tell you, oh, I never give referrals to salespeople because blah, 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 blah. But I gave one to Jimmy and I got to tell you, everyone I refer to him now calls me and thanks me because he's just, so, you know, whatever. So you're letting someone else. You know, one of, one of my good friends, Joe Polish, who is, uh, Joe's one of the, the really the all-time greats in terms of direct response and, and uh, copywriting and so forth. And he says, and I love this. Uh, Joe says, what other people say about you is infinitely more believable than what you say about you. So let other people say it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so one true. thing for us to say, oh, well, if you refer me or introduce me to somebody, I'll always make you look good. And that, you know, that's fine. But when someone else says how great you made them look, that's, you know, that's night and day. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. The law of influence. Yeah, this one says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Uh, again, this sounds counterintuitive when you first hear it, though when you think about it, the greatest leaders, top influencers, most successful top money earning salespeople that you know, that I know, that we all know, this is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking out for the other person's interest, placing their interests first. Now, let me qualify that though, if I may, because that can, uh, it can easily be misunderstood. And I think this is very important. When we say place the other person's interests first, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a, a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not. Yeah, it simply is, as Joe, the protagonist in the story learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of, of business, of sales, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's simply no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by genuinely moving from that IFO, from that focus on yourself to that focus on them. And, you know, as you gain that reputation for constantly and consistently doing that, living your life, running your business that way, people come to really feel good about you and they come to really trust you and they come to see you as the go-to person. 
So. Yeah, this is making me so. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad I found this book so like so long ago because this is uh, really resonating with me. It's um, a lot of people have told me to stop giving away all my secrets or stop doing so much free content or like why do you do so much stuff for free? And um, I just tell them because I want to help as many business owners as I can, not just the few who can afford it. So we put out a ton of content. We give, give, give. We have lots of different things especially during COVID, we did a lot of free stuff and people were always saying, well, no one's going to buy if you give everything away for free. Or they'd say, uh, like you're, you're cheapening your brand by giving stuff away for free, things like that. And I just have always just known, I really feel good about, and I really believe in just give, 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 and the money takes care of itself. Well, it tends to also, what it does is I don't think it cheapens any, first of all, if you look on, you know, on the internet, you look at, at the, you know, the top producing business people out there who have content, they put content out all over the place. I think when we live on the creative plane, what happens is we, we come to understand that all the content we put out there um, really lo logically and rationally serves a purpose. And that is it, it gets people to understand we know our stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that they want more of that. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not sure we can give everything away. We just eat so no, much. To, to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're living on the creative plane, you kind of don't even think like that, but because you know, there's going to be a certain amount of people who are going to pay top dollar to learn from you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so when you said placing other people's interests first, there was a little caveat there. You don't want anyone to be a doormat or- um, Right. Like they need to take care of themselves, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you know, because people, I think when they hear the term go-giver, they think that means you just give yourself away and you don't make a profit. And we've already talked about that part, right? No, go-givers make a great profit because they're not selling on low price. They're yeah. selling on high value. Yes. Okay, and and- so, and they might think, well, you just, <clears throat> do you just let people take advantage of you? And, and what I'm here to say is there is nothing about being a go-giver that is in any way congruent with allowing yourself to be taken advantage of. And if a person <clears throat> feels as though they're constantly being taken advantage of, excuse me, and I don't mean, um, I don't mean every so often that's going to happen. You know, we're human. The only only way to never be taken advantage of throughout our lives is to never do anything or never trust anyone. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who, as a pattern, they're taken advantage of. And you know what I'm saying? If that's the case, it's not because you're a nice person, even though you probably are. It's not because you're a giver, though you probably are. No, it's not because of that. It's because you're doing things in a certain way that create the environment for you to be taken advantage of. It's very that's important to understand. Here, I don't think, but that's one of the hugest things I've ever learned and that people need to learn is that that uh, responsibility for circumstance, right? Like, oh, well, you know, like everyone takes advantage of me. This always happens to me. It's like, yeah, what are you doing that you need to change? Right. Who is there? Who Who's there in every one of those situations? No, common denominator. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that. Who is there? Okay. <laughs> Law of authenticity. Yeah. This one says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, in this part of the story, Deborah Davenport was the, the mentor who, who Joe, well, he actually never met her. It was actually her giving a talk at a, at a, a um, symposium. And, uh, she shared a lesson with the audience that she learned in her sales career. And that is that all the skills in the world, the uh, sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they, they all are, and they are indeed all very important. Uh, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. When you do, when you show up as yourself, right? Day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel very comfortable with you. They feel good about you. They feel safe with you, right? They know who they're getting. And that's very important for people. 
they begin to know you. They like you. They love you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to buy from you if that's if they need what you you know have, uh, and they they want to refer you and, and introduce you to others. So why then do people not show up authentically if it's so good for business and so good for life? And I think really the re the main reason is that that the people who don't show up authentically don't have the self-confidence to do so. Because let's face it, it's difficult to show up authentically when you don't feel as though you have anything authentically worthy of showing up for. And I think it's important that we understand the two types of value that we as human beings have. One is what I call intrinsic value. And that just means as a person, you bring value to the table with you. But we also have what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allows a person to give value or add value, bring value to others, to the marketplace in such a way that they will be rewarded for it. And we all have that. We all have strengths. We all have those talents. And we have different talents. The, the challenge though with recognizing these talents and embracing them, and this is when you were talking about earlier about even understanding, you know, really kind of on a, a heart level, really knowing what you bring to that other person, even though you logically know it, right, is we're human beings. And as human beings, we're so emotionally involved with ourselves. We're so emotionally close to ourselves. It can be very difficult to see those elements of value that, that we bring to the table. Very difficult. That's why a coach like yourself is so important, you know, because you can much more easily objectively help someone recognize their value uh, because you're not them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, you have, you have also learned skill set to be able to do that specifically, but you're not them. And so you care about them yet you're objective enough and far enough removed, you're not emotionally involved. So it's much easier for you to see the greatness that they bring to the table and to help them work through it. Yeah, you know, I think why do coaches have coaches? Because even the coaches can't, you know, I have coaches for this and that. You have coaches for this and that. You know, uh, psychiatrists have, psychi go to psychiatrists and lawyers don't represent themselves, right? As human beings, we're just, we're too subjective. It's, we're too emotional about yeah. it. Yeah, we should uh, I kind of tie that back to uh, the law of value. If somebody's having trouble with um, raising their prices or charging what they're worth and having a conversation with an objective third party, even if it's not a business coach, mm -hmm. uh, even, you know, maybe a past customer that you've done business with, but just asking somebody to tell you, like a happy customer would be good, tell you all the value they got out of it. Because I think sometimes um, you have no idea how valuable something that you do or sell or give to somebody is until you hear like what a difference it made for them. Well, you really touched on something very vital right there. And that is, and, and Richard Wildman, who's a, a, a great consultant to the financial services profession, he, he talks about um, actually, you know, going to lunch or coffee or, or whatever with some of your most loyal clients, the ones who've been doing business with you for a long time, they depend on you, they refer you, and simply asking them, you know, thanking them for, you know, for doing that and say, you know, I, I'd really love to know what is it about me or my company or the, our product, you know, however you, you would frame it based on what you do, um, that you really, really find to be of, of such value. Because what happens is they'll often tell you something that you don't even know about it yourself. And the reason why is because as human beings, we all see the world from our own unique viewpoint, our personal beliefs, right? We have our likes and dislikes, those things we remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. And so, you know, what we would find valuable isn't something that someone else might and what we don't even see as being of value is someone something that might mean the world to someone else. So Absolutely. by doing what Richard had, had uh, suggested, you can find out things you didn't even know 
about how you bring value. And then that's always another option when you're talking to another prospective customer or client that you can ask about and, and so forth. Yeah, actually that actually, that happened. We do survey our clients and uh, my early management career was running other people's businesses for them. And I was always paid based on the profit. So I had to figure out how to make businesses really profitable, really fast. Mm -hmm. And so I was all about profit. And I also was poor when, when I was raised, like I heard we don't have enough money for that a lot of times. So those two things combined made my sole focus as a business coach, a new business coach six years ago. Okay, well, all people want is more profit right? That's all they care about because that's all I've seen my whole time. So while some people were attracted to that after I uh, got a few years under my belt and started surveying people, the most commonly um, used term for what they valued the most was accountability. Mm. And I would never have ever used that in any of my marketing or any uh, listing of value or anything like that. But then I started to realize, yeah, I do all my coaching homework right before I call my coach, right? Like there, that, that's a huge part and I never would have realized that. So that's I think that absolutely people should do that. Awesome. Um, so the law of receptivity, this is so crazy how much this is a huge part of my life. It's, if my mentor is listening right now, she's just laughing because she's like, I told you so, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear you talk about this one. Well, the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receive it. And this really means nothing more than, than uh, that uh, just like, you know, we breathe out, we also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other. We can't just breathe out, right? If we do, we're in trouble, right? We can't survive, we can't thrive doing that. We also have to breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide and we breathe in oxygen. By the same token, we breathe out, which is giving, and we breathe in which is receiving. You're, this is so crazy. She literally was telling me to visualize money as, as air in and out. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is really right. creeping me out. I think you two must have talked. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because giving and receiving, just despite the um, negative messages we receive from the world around us about money, about prosperity, about abundance. I, I mean, they're not mixed messages. They're negative messages. Um, you know, if you, if you listen or watch or read the news, you, if you're on social media or going through school or around, I mean, it's, you know, you'd think anybody who makes a lot of money did it on the backs of others or by doing something nefarious or now it's a big world. Are there people who do that? Of course. But no, in most people, and I mean, I'm talking 99.9% .9 of the people, remember, especially in the, the basically free market, which we live in, in North America, no one's forced to do business with you. You know, I often say when I speak at a, at a sales conference, I'll often begin by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by doing than by not doing so. So when you think about it, the only way that one can make a real lot of money is to serve a whole lot of people. Yeah. Serve them well. So the chances are, again, unless it's by force or fraud, uh, or you've you've you know paid off through a lobbyist to have the government make some rule or regulation that that you know keeps your competition away or something like that, uh, uh, that's not free market. That's cronyism. As You're opposed darker to than I thought, Bob. Huh? You're getting darker than I thought you would, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think I've done a really good job cleaning up my social media because I don't see that kind of stuff ever. Oh, you know, entrepreneurially, entrepreneurialism is a beautiful thing that's full of that's opportunity. We provide jobs. It's That's how I see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but there are a lot of people who, who kind of don't. And that's, you know, it is, it is what it is. But here's the thing, that kind of thinking can easily infect all of us. Uh, my friend, Randy Gage, who's, who's one of the biggest prosperity authorities uh, in the world right now. And, you know, he talks about if you go to a movie, right, there are typically two types of characters. Uh, there are the good people 
who are usually portrayed as being uh, poor, but happy, okay? They're, they're the good people, right? And they're always being stepped on, stepped over, taken advantage of by who? The rich people who are typically portrayed as being mean and horrible and terrible and they have no soul. All they want is money. That's pretty much the theme of just about, you know, every major movie. Watch next time and you'll, you'll see. It's a constant theme. So you think, well, that, that's no big deal. It's only a movie. Well, may only be a movie, but it's something that people watch from the time they're little and they see that story playing itself out. It's, it's the first Spider-Man movie where Peter Parker asks his Uncle Ben, why are, why are we poor? And Uncle Ben says to him, well, Peter, we may not be rich, but at least we're honest. What a horrible, horrible message that is for any kid watching that movie to hear. Yeah, What's I the premise there, right? If you're honest, then you're not rich. If you're rich, you're not honest. Yeah. So, and, and these kinds of things, this gets in our heads unconsciously. Opposite. Right. And so that's why I think we need to make a study of prosperity. Okay, yeah. so, you know, we, so Randy Gage and Bob Proctor and David Nagel and Ellen Rogan and, and, and some of the people who, does, this is what they speak on, prosperity mindset. Yeah. So very important. But so, so we go back to giving and receiving, not being opposite concepts, despite what we hear from, from so many. No, giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. So I'm doing a Bob Proctor course right now, Lead the Field. Oh, great. Lead the Field, the Earl Nightingale study. Uh-huh. So I've been listening to him for an hour a morning for like 100 days or something straight. Um, and I remember him talking about something similar and, and me kind of still not really resonating with it. Cause I don't, I, I'm not, I don't hang out with people who think that way. Um, but what I don't, I think I don't, I'm not really a hundred percent remembering what, when you say to receive should be, it just should be like giving, receiving, it should be like breathing. What do you mean by receiving? Like receiving what money? Could be money. Could be receiving a compliment. When someone says, Hey, you look great. Do you go, Oh no, no, no. Or do you say, Oh, thank you so much. You know, I mean, when someone, you know, offers to buy the coffee, are you not able to allow them to do that for whatever reason that happens to be? Or do you say, oh, thank you so much. Okay. So can you receive, you know, friendship? Can you receive kindness? Can you receive love? Can you receive money? Can you receive new business? Can you receive referrals? Receptivity is just allowing yourself to receive what, what comes to you. Um, but we earn that. We, we earn it because our focus is on the giving of value to everyone we meet. When we do this, and we do this appropriately, we create what we call the benevolent context for success. And that's where it comes to you, and it comes to you in abundance. And you've got to be able to receive that abundance. It got it. It is what I thought it was. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything and clarify it for anybody listening who doesn't know. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I, there was something on your website that I wanted to ask you about just because it was a drive-by mentor. Like what, can, <laughs> a golden nugget of advice from a drive-by mentor totally shifted your perspective. <laughs> yeah. What is drive-by mentor? Well, my great friend and, and one of my mentors, Dondi Skumachi, I think she coined this term and I probably just agreed with it because she coins stuff and she has all these great dandyisms and she's so wise and amazing. And I, I think she probably coined drive-by mentor. And this is a person who just happened, you, you know, you may not know this person at all, or you may know them very indirectly, but they just happened to say something at the exact time you needed to hear it and that you were open to receiving it. And it makes a significant difference in your life. And I remember a couple of years after I had been in sales and I had just started a job at a, a new company selling a high ticket uh, product. And, you know, I was doing okay, but I got into a, a slump and I, I was finding it difficult to get out of this slump. It was very discouraging. And I hadn't really realized though that I, I did really have a problem. 
that problem being me, <laughs> as it right as it usually is. And I remember coming back to the office one day after a non-sale, and um, I must have looked pretty discouraged because the uh, uh, a guy who was he was not in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department or something. And I I don't remember him being there too long afterwards. Truly a drive-by mentor in a sense because uh but but he was one of he was one of these guys though that when whenever he did say something it was usually pretty profound so when he said uh, berg he was a last name kind of guy he's when he said berg can i give you some advice i said yeah absolutely please do and he said if you want to make a lot of money and say and i'm by the way i i get the feeling you know when i look back on it in retrospect that he probably saw me sort of as joe in the story, in the go-giver that I'd write 20 years, you know, later, um, that, you know, as that kind of young up and comer, ambitious, aggressive, but whose focus just wasn't in the right place. Yeah. And so he said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target, he said, is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your wow. target is serving others. And that was, that was my epiphany by the drive-by mentor. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Do you ever talk to that guy? I never, I don't even, I haven't seen him since he said that. I mean, I think I, I seem to remember I maybe saw him around the office a couple times after that. And I think he retired or retired uh -huh. or something because I no, never. I don't even know his name. Oh, I wish you could tell him how much of a difference. Oh, my gosh. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe give him some money. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of commission for that advice. Awesome. Um, there's one more thing on your website I want to ask you about. Um, why being a go-giver is absolutely congruent with and honors human nature. Uh, because human nature says that, and Dale Carnegie pointed this out in his, his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. In fact, I think it was the underlying, excuse me, premise in his book. It's where he wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons reasons yeah and so when we tune into that and as and that's really what the go-giver is all about it's shifting our focus off ourselves and onto them it's understanding that selling by definition really is simply discovering what the other person wants needs or desires and helping them to get it yeah absolutely. understanding that yeah yeah I always replace the word selling with serving. I just say it's not selling, it's serving. Uh, see, I, and I say selling is serving. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's semantics, but it's, you know. It's love from you too. I'm like, huh? all this stuff, all these laws I made. Remember I told you I had my three rules? I'm like, oh shoot, I took them all from your book. <laughs> That's just awesome. Yeah, and it's certainly, this stuff works. Like, I'm sure you've seen it work in your own life. That's where the book came from, right? You took the stuff that you learn and why'd you guys decide to write it as a parable? Uh, because, well, you know, years ago when I had had endless referrals, it was a, a how-to book. Uh, it was on, you know, it was, it was how salespeople and entrepreneurs could, could go out and develop those no like, and trust relationships. And it was step by, it was a system, right? That, as we were talking about before, but I'd always read lots of parables and I always found them just great reads because, you know, I think stories connect on a much deeper level. And so I, I always felt I learned a very valuable lesson. I enjoyed the read and I, it was, I was much quicker to apply it. And I thought, what if we could take the, you know, the basic premise of endless referrals and kind of rework it a little bit and, and put it into a parable. And then, of course, I, I asked John to co-author it with me and be the lead writer. He was the only one I asked. He was the only one I wanted to, to have do that because I, I, he was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for. And at the time, very few people outside of a certain niche knew of John's brilliance. Uh, fortunately, I was one of them who did. <laughs> so, uh, so I had asked him and, and uh, uh, you know, so we actually, I think we wrote it in about 
maybe three months, but then it took a year and 25 rejections from New York publishing houses to uh, actually get someone to accept it. And it how turned many? out to be the perfect publishing partner. And how, many, how, how many rejections? About 25. Yeah, that's good to know for people. Sure. Um, I have to tell you, I hate parables. Your, your books are the only ones I read. I read a, a Robin Sharma para, parable once. Wonderful. And I remember being so annoyed with it because I'm like, what are the, what are the laws that I need to learn? What are the lessons? <laughs> as a rule, I would not read parables. Yeah. But uh, when I started reading The Go-Giver, I was just like, okay, I need to know what he learned next. And I, like, I got through it super easy. So um, even though I didn't like parables, I loved it. So you. You, did a, you guys did a really great job. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. Well, that, you know, that means even more to me, knowing you don't really even like parables and you still <laughs> enjoyed it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Um, so usually at the end of my podcast, I like to ask my guests if you could only give the people who are listening, one really quick bit of advice, like something actionable that they could do. Um, we call it a quick tip. And the people listening are all business owners. Uh, is there something that you would give them as your quick tip for today? I would just say in whatever you say and whatever you do and whatever you tweet or write or post or, or orate or whatever, uh, just before you say it, ask yourself, is this most likely going to bring value or add value to this person's life or not. Aww. And if it does, then say it, post it, tweet it, pin it, what have you. If not, don't. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. I love that. My quick tip is to read The Go-Giver. And then... <laughs> so They're on the shelf here. You guys can come borrow them. Thank you. Um, so uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, follow you? Do you have a newsletter? Like, do you send a uh, weekly email or anything? Well, if they go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com, they can subscribe to the list and they will, uh, they'll receive, first of all, some uh, four really, really value-based uh, reports, but uh, which are quick, easy reads. Um, but they also will be notified when we do, I have a video on my blog at, at the um, berg.com blog. I do uh, two videos a week and um, which, which are mainly around, they're either on people skills or sales or, you know, something go-giver-ish or, or whatever. Uh, and we have a, a really neat following with that. So you, they'll be notified uh, when a new one is out. Awesome. I'm on, I'm on your site right now. I'm going to share it with people. At Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. Yeah, I got it. Um, I don't see where to sign up for the email, but I'm guessing that it will be a pop-up. It, it will. And you, you, if you scroll down, you'll see it, but you don't have to scroll down. You can wait about 15, 20 seconds or so, and, and there'll be a pop-up. Awesome. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paste it right here for people. Oh, thank you. Awesome. You're the best. I really appreciate you coming on here. Oh, and if it's okay from now on, I'm going to call you Berg. You can call me Berg. You can call me Berg. <laughs> Just, just spell it right and it's okay. I will. B-U-R-G. I got it. <laughs> <You know. laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And especially, what is it, like 8.30 there now? I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Uh, the time I've actually got one more interview tonight, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us. I think you brought huge value to everybody who is listening. And, again, I appreciate it so much. I really I appreciate, appreciate you. It. It's made thanks a big difference me. in my life. Thanks, Bob.